while we thought that it was in Robert Main, lecture 399. But in preparing the exhibition, which I hope we will all take a look at after this lecture this evening, we discovered that we had missed one. So in fact, it is lecture number 400, at least for the purposes of this uh, celebration. Quite possibly in reality as well. Anyway, all occasions are approved by having Dr. Stoddard speak at them, and it's a great pleasure to welcome him back to the University of Virginia. Well, how do you? Who could be the most extreme other for me 
the farthest reach for me to shake hands to embrace. How about a man whose family has lived by the banks of the Nile far longer than mine in New England? A man of the desert? A man of the Middle East? A person whose first language is French with some street Arabic and some English? A poet and philosopher? A Jew? Born in 1912, died in 1991, a man I never met. When we say I, we already say difference, to quote my friend Edwin Jabez. My part of the story begins in 1985 when my fellow book collector Robert Graff found this review in a Paris newspaper, The Journey, by one Edmond Chavez, the most thoughtful of our writers, he carries out a meditative work both austere and troubling. Robert clipped the review and sent it to me with a note, I read this in Paris the other day and thought of you. So what's this, I asked, as I made my way to Schoenhoff's, the bookstore that has supplied Harvard students and scholars with foreign books for some 140 years. There it was, waiting for me in its typical glossy yellow French covers, and the text did seem close. The book read, here begins the reading of the book. Say no to nothingness. On this sentence, I wanted to build the book. What if the book, with all its wiles and daring, were only mad resistance against the emptiness of the last page? As I stumbled into it, even my slight grasp of the language allowed me to, uh, showed me that I had entered the presence of someone far more obsessed with books than I could ever be. Jabez's obsession extended to writing and making books, activities that librarians only dream of undertaking. My response was typical of a book collector. I applied to a benefactor of our library, Madame Marguerite Gersenar, to ask if she could intercede for me with her publisher so that I could purchase a copy on fine paper. This I entrusted to my friend Jean de Bonnet with a commission for one of his articulated bindings constructed of supple wooden slats. I had dreamed of owning one of these special Garnet confections, and the parkour was just the right subject for it. There the thing could have rested had it not been for the librarian's trait of curiosity, which can bond sometimes with books, to make a very big obsession with collecting and its cognate bibliography. During a visit to Paris, I perceived the primitive state of the bibliography. There it is. And I saw editions illustrated with original watercolors by Jean Capteville and with embossed etchings by Anthony Tapies. I decided to make a collection, watching particularly for books unrepresented in the French National Library, where I visited when I could in order to collate the copyright deposits. By April of 1993, I was ready to make a report, so I distributed first notes of a book collector, EJ1, an alphabetical list of some 47 books, replacing it in July with EJ2, 
first notes of a bibliographer. There's my poet trying to look like Jack Webb. It's a much more substantial chronological record, including an annotated list of titles announced but never used, among them on white of words and black of signs. Who would have suspected that such efforts would lead to arguments with a French publisher over the integrity of the French tongue, the supply of accents, and the style of initial capitals. Franco-American spaghetti. <laughs> but didn't I promise you the book of questions? Here it is, about eight by five and a half inches, seen through the chemise that apprentices and clerks in French antiquarian bookshops have been cutting and folding for generations. And here it is unveiled, sewn in signatures and pasted into the paper covers of Gallimard's white library. Blanche, in its classically proportioned, rubricated covers with box rules and the monogram of the French New Review. And the back cover, disrobed, to reveal a blurb signed with the initials of the author, the H in a diamond designating the distributor Achette, and the French franc price both with and without the local taxes. The preparations SP mark a review copy, service request. Returning to the front cover, here is the advertising strip, Bande Annonce, used on new books by Gallimard and many other European publishers, dust jackets for hardcovers, slogan bands for paperbacks. And here, superimposed on the cover, is a handbill, also for new books, <coughs> with blurb, price, and publication date. Here are a couple of half titles, the author's favorite spot for inscription, and here is the title page, strict and pure. At the back of the book, we find the contents page, which explains to us how the parts are organized. Dedication, at the threshold of the book, and you shall be in the book. The book of the absent in three parts, and the book of the living in two. Back up front to the dedication page to the remote sources of life and death revealed, to the dust in the well, to the rabbi poets in whose mouths I put my words and whose names have over the centuries become mine, to Sarah and Yochel, to those finally whose roads of ink and blood go through words and men, and most of all to you, to us, to you. That's the familiar, familial you, to you, to us, to you. So who am I? Someone far more expansive than, say, Emerson. But the author keeps reminding us that this is a book of memory. You are the one who writes and the one who is written. At the threshold of the book, Mark the first page of the book with a red marker, for in the beginning the wound is invisible, <coughs> says Rev. Alsay. Then part one, with quotations from Yoko's journal and from Sarah's. I gave you my name, Sarah, and it is a dead end road. I scream, I scream, Yoko, we are the innocents of the scream. So that's where the advertising strip takes its slogan. 
part two. What is going on behind this door? A book is shedding its leaves. What is the story of the book? Becoming aware of a screen. Where is the book set in the book? Who are you? I am the keeper of the house. Where do you come from? I have wandered. Is Yuppel your friend? I am like Yuppel. What is your lot to open the book? Are you in the book? My place is at the threshold. The four letters which designate my origin are your four fingers. You can use your thumb to crush it. You are a Jew, and you talk like one. But I am cold. It is dark. Let me come into the house. There is a lamp on my table, and the house is in the book. So I will live in the house after all. You will follow the book, whose every page is an abyss, where the wing shines with the name. And Reb Hati, the pages of the book are doors. Words go through them, driven by their impatience to regroup, to reach the end of the work, to be again <coughs> transparent. Ink fixes the memory of words to the paper. Light is in their absence, which you read. The story of Yoko and Sarah is the account through various dialogues and meditations attributed to imaginary rabbis of a love destroyed by men and by words. It has the dimensions of the book and the bitter stubbornness of a wandering question. Eventually, I should explain, a reader will piece together their story. Lovers, Sarah and Yoko, are sent to the German extermination camps and survive. But Sarah screams in her insanity, and Yoko, denied access to her world, takes his own life. Car beams light up the front of a building. He reads, Ma, Bo, Juif, Jews, Go Home, scrawled in white chalk, in caps, in which street? In several streets, on several walls. He tried to decipher all the graffiti. He read and reread Ma, Bo, Juif, at each hall, at each corner, at the same corner, at each hall. All he saw anymore were those three words on the walls. All he saw anymore were those 12 letters transparent on the glass pane of his memory. There have been sirens, there have been shells exploding, there have been many an exodus. There have been graveyards with grass over them, vast fields, the flowers are in cahoots. They have fed on bones and on bone thoughts. Their perfume is perjured. My God, he murmurs, the hands of the years show always the same power. And the last page. Have you seen how a word is born and dies? Have you seen how two names are born and die? From now on, I am alone. The word is a kingdom. Every letter has its quality, its ground, and its rank. The first holds the greatest power, power of fascination and obsession. Omnipotence is its law. Sarah, Yoko, united kingdoms, innocent worlds, which the alphabet conquered and then destroyed through the hands of men. You have lost your kingdom. I have lost my kingdom, as my brothers have, scattered everywhere in a world which has feasted on their dispersion. Have you seen how a kingdom is made and unmade? Have you seen how a book is made and unmade? Whiter than white, here is the front cover of the fine paper Grand Papier issue. Back cover 
with a beautiful monogram, the distributor's initial, and her field, assuring us that the paper fiber is straight linen. And what a clash of cultures you get when you read the watermark in that fancy paper, LDN Waron for the maker, NRF for the commission, and a depiction of a well harking back to the self-aggrandizing marks and devices of printers in the European Renaissance whose wells delivered no life-sustaining water, just books of knowledge, crisp and dry. What can that mean to a man of the desert who has dedicated his book to the dust in the well? Straight linen, as you can see in the tirage on the back of the title page. Twenty copies have been printed on fine paper. This one has been stamped 15 and inscribed to the intimidating editor of NRF Gallimard and Academician Jean Paulin, without whose authorization the book would never have been published by the house. Antoine de Chavez was born on the 16th of April in 1912 in Cairo, at that time one of the great cosmopolitan capitals of the world. Nationalities, races, and languages mixed together in a culture rich and rewarding to all. For generations, the French-speaking schools of Cairo had been the most rigorous, so that French had become the language of his community. Through a turn in Egyptian politics, his Egyptian-Jewish family obtained Italian citizenship. His involvement in anti-fascist activities made problems with the Italian authorities during the Mussolini time, but in the Rommel days, they eased his way into the British forces in Israel. Here he is, a youthful Baudelarian in his cavalier necktie, a 17-year-old student in Paris, as depicted in his first book, Illusion Sentimental, in 1930. Pierre, publisher also of his second book, I'm Waiting for You, was once avant-garde, but no longer could he boast authors like Gilles, Apollinaire and Picadia on his list. Surely these books were vanity projects. Much as Chavez came to reject the false romanticism of these detestable books, he had to admit that they were read in very official, very academic circles, not the entry into the literary salons of the time. Then he discovered the modernist poet Max Zhakov, who accepted him as a kind of apprentice inspiring in 1934. Pick Up Your Heels, published by the Kyrene Weekly, the Egyptian, dedicated to my beloved poet, Max Chekhov, and filled with wordplay and puns. I cannot explain how Jabez discovered the surrealist artist illustrator by the name Mayo, but his nightmare line drawings dominated the book. The same publisher brought out the next book, Deposits of Poetry, within a year, and that provides us with this portrait of the debonair, generic French poet. I had only dreamed of one thing to be integrated into French literature, he would say, and with the publisher's list, all francophones. Don't you wish that you could see that special Tabati number? From author to editor, Chavez was a partner with Georges Enine in editing the two issues of the journal whose title referred to the desert as the sandy part of the world or some such confusion. They also published poem pamphlets, including The Watery Deep in 1947 and The Voice of Ink or Ink Speaking in 1949. Meantime, Chavez had achieved some integration. The important Paris publisher, Pierre Seder, 
brought out songs to be gobbled up or songs for the appetite of a horse in 1927. These are war poems that Chavez did not repudiate, such as Song of the Trees of the Black Forest, as translated by Anthony Rudolph. In the black forest where hanged men laugh on trees, where soldiers keep guard, a fire breaks out. But who lit the torches? But who set the trees on fire? The soldiers, panicking, some thought their task easy, call for help with all their might, try to flee their own weapons. Now the forest is red, and the hanged men still laugh, but do not burn. In 1955, Seguer published Crust of the Earth, and he included Chavez in two of his poetry anthologies. Another integration came with Chavez's acceptance by the poet-printer Ilaidi Mano, who brought out three poem pamphlets, including Three Daughters in My Neighborhood and The Keystone, 1948 and 1950, which he printed himself. To go from manuscript poem to a text printed by GLM was, for a writer, at once a surprise and a revelation, Chavez would recall the writer found himself suddenly confronted by a different text, the same surely his own, but something he never would have suspected. The book dealer publisher only Parisot had got Max Ernst to design the wrapper for his Golden Age poetry series, for which he would cash 50 etchings from an artist in order to make a special limited issue, Edition in order to bring in some extra money. Until the last moment, Chavez thought that his words make an outline, 1951, would be decorated by Miro, but it turned out to be Jacques Villon. Instead, only a true devotee would identify a caged bird in this first state of the etching, an obvious leftover. Villon finished it up, trimmed down the copper, and produced 50 prints, so much for letter and image. In 1955-6, Chavez began his own headways series, illustrated with a bat from the moon and a fishy self-portrait by the juvenile Bona Pierre de Mandiard. Authors were Boudoir, Grenier, and René Char. One result of the Suez crisis at the end of 1956 was the expulsion of Jews from Egypt. Chavez sent his daughters and wife Arlette to Paris where they lived in precarious financial circumstances. But Arlette edited a selection of Avon's work and placed it in the hands of Jean Paulin. Not until the middle of 1959 was it printed, I build my dwelling place. But at least four printings followed immediately, as you see from the foot of the title page. The contents shows you how much or how little of the early work was permitted survived. Chavez got out of Egypt in 1957, never to return, and he arrived in Paris virtually without resources. Actually, it was not the imaginary local, but Chavez himself, who was stunned by the graffiti, more aujourd'hui, Jews go home, spotlighted by an automobile on a wall in the Odeon quarter on his first night in Paris. It was not so much the message as the age of the lettering. No one had cleaned it off. A big lesson in public acts of prejudice, a small lesson in the human publicity of Holocaust. Never before had Chavez been treated as a Jew. 
Now he had lost all but his very life and family on account of his race. And the message he had left behind in his hometown of Cairo was waiting for him in his exile city of Paris. The hands of the years show always the same power. Javez found jobs, and he began to compose on the commuter subway in a new style. There were aphorisms and songs as before, and the style of surrealism, but there were voices, hundreds of them, questioning and commenting. The result was the book of questions, and it struck home. In February 1964, there appeared in critique Edmond Javez and the question of the book by young Jack Derrida. That was three years before dramatology, voice, and picture. Our re-readings of I Build My Dwelling Place will be better henceforth. A certain ivy could have hidden or absorbed its meaning, could have turned its meaning in on itself. In the book of questions, a powerful and ancient root is exhumed, and on it is laid bare an ageless wound for what Chavez teaches us is that roots speak, that poetic discourse takes root in a wound. For years, Chavez would complain that the dissertations on his work came not from literature, but from philosophy faculties, on account of those earlier reviews by Derrida, Maurice Blanchot, and their like. More books of questions followed, but author and publisher, as they published and wrote, were unclear about the number as you see from the different formats in the complete set of seven. Most works by Javes have been translated into English by Rosemary Walbrook, and it is her versions that you are hearing tonight. It is possible that more people read her translations than his original. From June 17, 1959 to April 29, 1997, Gallimar has produced no fewer than 63 numbered printings of Javes. Peter Davison has said that the business of publishing poetry is an imaginary business. For me, Gallimard is formidable and mysterious. They seem to combine the power and ambition of the CIA with the discretion and wisdom of MI5. The Gallimard books, including eventually the Book of Resemblances in three volumes, the Book of Limits in four, the collected poetry and several singles brought Javes his prizes and honors, but Javes encouraged multiple interpretations of his work, and he was an art lover. This led to the creation of artists' books along a broad spectrum from crazy to sublime. Here, selected passages from Alia, the sixth book of questions, are pre-printed as counterproof in 1969, 100 copies on pearly Japan paper by Patmos, whoever and wherever they were. In 1975, Javes proposed to a fan of his writing, the Catalan artist Antony Tapias, a collaboration. It goes his way. Fox covers, embossed etchings, drawings in the text, a fold-out plate, and two more etchings were supplied by the artist to accompany a kind of commonplace book assembled by the poet. The sequel, doubly dependent on the said, followed in 1984 with the most splendid rappers, 
you could ever want, marked by the artist's signed signature T or plus sign, as you wish, with embossed etchings inside. The writer, Emmanuel Bacar, with his girlfriend, Raquel Levy, operated Orange Export Limited in order to show off Raquel's dubious papier pen. Of two hands, an important text that Chavez gave first to them was collected in 1986 in an ambitious artist's book by Valerie Danielle Lelong, Memory and Hand. The engravings, including a passage of text written backwards here, are by the sculptor Eduardo Chivida. But you must judge if the fine sculptural outlines get lost in the spacey page of selected passages from the Book of Resemblances. Can you believe that there was a book signing party for it on December 11, 1981? By contrast, what belongs to me, pre-printed from the Book of Shares by Marchand Dussel, is arranged Orion style and illustrated charmingly with tantric drawings. Eagle and Owl, pre-printed also from the same book, catches your eye with its original watercolors by Jean Capteville. But all his stuff looks like that, <laughs> including the two books from 1989. Real art shows its face in Antonio Saura's watercolor frontispiece to The Foreigner, 1989, while anonymity, pre-printed from the Book of Hospitality, advances sublimely with its book-like abstracts by Francesca Chandon de Briaille. This copy has been found by Degane in his normal Rubolene covers. The most beautiful of all, wishing for a beginning, <clears throat> agony of a solitary ending, 1991, is accompanied by Claude Garrache's soft engravings. Perhaps you have seen his huge sanguine oil painting of five news hanging these days in the Pompidou Museum. Here's a cute book, Little Poems for Rainy Days and Sunny Ones, that Jabez had written for his grandchildren. Here are little poems of a different order, Italian printings of the French texts that precede the Paris one. And here are Jabez readers' texts selected by the poet for a German translation and for an American one, but never published this way in the French original. <clears throat> for the bibliographer, such discoveries are bittersweet, a lot like Ross Marie Waldrop's moments when she finds that Chavez has discovered and placed on one word concealed inside another. Finally, a bit of manuscript. <clears throat> there is one capital book. And we will switch. Uh, so 
inserted into folders on which the texts are printed to build with sand and lime. That's a quotation from deep inside Jabez's ruminations on intolerance, a foreigner carrying in the crook of his arm a tiny book, 1989. From that 150-page text, Jabez selected passages, jumping forward and backward here and there, as he had done for many artists' books before, in response to a proposal from the New Book Club in Paris. The artist printmaker would be Olivier de Croix, for whom Jabez had written a six-page tribute printed in a 1980 exhibition catalog at Tours. De Croix had begun his career with slabby oil paintings in the manner of Nicolas de Chael, but his printmaking developed into gorgeous abstracts of senior personnage and senior paysage, markings of persons, markings of landscapes, this one being persons, which brought a new identity to his paintings, as you can see from the one that Jabez sits so proudly in front of in this unpublished photograph by Hubai. For this book, I am willing to suspend my usual expectations of dyslexia between text and image in non-technical writing. See what you think about Jabez and Debray together. Who accompanies me is my witness, but who is there still by my side? The name empowers the I, but does not justify it. My relation to others is staggered all the way to the infinite, from the bottom up, never horizontally, the distance from here to there. As with the gate tree, others are part of myself, from root to pond 